This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and I am still really trying to figure out um, a good, I guess you could say like podcasts, um like elevator pitch at the beginning of this. I'm still trying to figure it out after like three years. So obviously we are for anybody curious to learn about where their food comes from, learning from farmers, ranchers, entrepreneurs, even about the booming direct to consumer industries um, and agritourism, which are, you know, super duper fun. You you can actually visit a farm and see how your food is being made. So uh, if you're a good writer, let me know, email me farm traveler series, Uh, at gmail.com and maybe you can help me figure out a good little podcast slogan that'd be super fun um that's one thing we don't have after three years but um anyway this is episode 137 and we are going to learn a little bit more about farmland investing so it's a when it comes to investing now man in 2022 everything is so weird you've got nfts you've got cryptocurrencies uh there's just so much like just randomness going on in investing and you know as Ali and I are trying to invest more we're trying to learn more about you know Roth IRAs the stock market all that good stuff and once we have a decent amount of money saved up I really want to look into farmland investing because it seems um, like all the research is that there are very high returns that it's a very stable investment it's not nearly as dangerous as you know like a Bitcoin or a, a Dogecoin Um, that shot up and then it crashed. And so today on the podcast, we are going to learn about a company called Farm Funder and their CEO and founder, Brandon Silvero. So Brandon is a fourth generation farmer. He's also a real estate investor and an expert in farm management. So he has developed this company and they are really about high profit potential farmland investments that are managed by American farmers. So your your investments are going to be in great hands as they're trying to find great investments around the country. 
So right now they're in California, but they are expanding here in the United States. And Brendan and I are basically going to talk about his background, the start of Farm Funder, um, what their investment backgrounds are like for you know their investors. Are they mostly people in agriculture or are they actually mostly people outside of agriculture? And also how ag investments go with inflation, how that kind of goes about the potential of farmland investments. Is it, um, does it have a better potential than stocks and bonds and stuff like that? And also his thoughts on maybe the future of ag NFTs, which are, I think NFTs are non-fungible tokens, aka they're just online pictures that you can make millions of dollars off of, which is weird. And also his thoughts on things like crowdfunding and all that good stuff. And he shares a lot of really cool stories about the feedback from farmers and what is kind of setting them apart at FarmFunder from different farmland investment companies out there. Uh, so be sure to check out their website after this episode. It is FarmFunder, that is F-A-R-M, and it's Funder, F-U-N-D-R, no E in there, dot com. So FarmFunder.com. And if you want to listen to more of our episodes, don't forget, go to thefarmtraveler.com and you can see, you know, over 137 podcast interviews. So again, this is episode 137 with Brandon Silvera from Farm Funder. Well, Brandon, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So you're with a cool company called Farm Funder, which is kind of like revolutionizing how farmers kind of raise money for their farms, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Farm Funder is an investment portal. Uh, so we crowdfund uh, money from investors that would like to uh, invest in the agricultural space and try and link up farmers uh, and find unique land deals uh, with good profit potential for investors. That's awesome. So kind of before we dive into the background of that, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're a fourth generation farmer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of born into the industry. Uh, my dad was a farmer. My uh, my great grandparents came over and uh, started a dairy farm and started in that way. And then just kind of uh, stuck around. Uh, uh, went to an agricultural uh, school here in California. Went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Got an agricultural degree and just have been engulfed in it. You know, my whole life. You, you know, you gotta. Is it when you're born into it? Something you, you either I think you love it or you hate it, right? So yeah, that's so true. I, I I chose the love it side. Yeah, I was talking with a with a guest um, earlier today. We were chatting how when you grow up on a farm, there's either like two ways your parents do things: either they make you get involved with the farm, or they're like, "Hey, if you want to get involved, you don't have to. You can do your own thing." And it seems like nine times out of ten, when they give their kids a choice those kids always come back to the farm because, you know, it's like a family legacy that you want to continue to build. Sure. On. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because when we were a kid, you know, we were kind of in the, uh, they made us work, right. You know, my, my dad made us yeah. work and stuff like that and work summers and work before, after school, uh, not as hard as they did. They worked way harder than us, but uh, we got to pick and choose and do sports and all that other stuff when we wanted to work sometimes. But, uh uh, yeah, you, you, you either, you know, I think when you go away sometimes, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and start living your life away from the farm, you realize, wow, okay, I, that, that's a pretty cool way to grow up or could a pretty cool occupation compared to, you know, 
sitting in a cubicle or, you know, or whatever it is you, you choose to do. So that's, that's kind of how it worked for me. Yeah. Kind of every day is different. I mean, to be a farmer, you really have got to be a jack of all trades. I mean, you've got to be a good mechanic. You've got to be a good investment strategist. You've got to be able to do everything on your farm. It's crazy. It's, that was one of my first lessons when I came back full time. And, and I'll never forget when my dad told me, you need to know everyone's business to make your business run. Thought of it that way, but he's right. I mean, that's a good that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. So, growing up on the farm, was there a moment that kind of inspired you to start Farm Funder? Yeah. Um, so, you know, as you know, farming is very capital intensive and it's very expensive, and and we're we're not the family farm is, is, is kind of different, right? So if you want to expand your farm or if you want to go off and farm on your own, um, it's pretty hard to do because uh, land is expensive. Tractors are expensive. Uh, labor is expensive. Right. Um, and as I was trying to grow, uh, it was very slow going, right. You know, so I try and buy a little piece of, of ground or I try, I try and do something and it just, your, your hands get tied. And, and, and then, you, you know, there's, there's no real cash flow in farming. Um, it's, it's one, you know, payment at the end of the year, usually, uh, for, for most crops. So, um, you see, you, you, you farm that crop and you wait and you hope you made money. If you, if you made money, you expand and it's, a uh, and then when you go to the bank and the bank says, well, you're not already a millionaire, why would I ever give you money? Right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of how it worked. And when I started looking at, uh, different ways to raise capital, uh, for the, you know, for farmers and for, for myself and, and at this particular time, uh, it there wasn't really a vehicle to, you know, unless you were going through a large, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a publicly traded REIT of some sort or a large private equity fund, there wasn't a way for, for right. people to invest in ag. And there wasn't a way for a small farmer, say, say you have 100 acres and you want to buy the 40 acres next door, uh, you know, there, there wasn't an investment fund that w- would want to do something like that. Even though it's a very profitable uh, venture for the farmer and possibly for the, the investor. Um, and, and really that all changed uh, when the Jobs Act came out. And uh, you were able to crowdfund equity and crowdfund real estate. And as soon as that happened in 2012, I mean, I was following pretty, pretty close. Um, I watched the commercial sites come out first uh, where they were doing uh, the multifamily type stuff and just mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park. And I kind of watched what they were doing. Um, I started building the website, you know, as, as early as 2013, um, getting things ready. We, we, we were ready to launch Farm Funder in 2015. Uh, but I wasn't ready. I mean, Farm Funder was ready to launch. So we ended up launching uh, a little bit later. We started the company, but didn't put our first deal up until a couple years later. Um, but uh, we, we always call ourselves the first agricultural crowdfunding site because we've been around so long. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, as far as how we built it and what we were doing, it, it was mostly, you know, there's just, there's a gap between the large amounts of capital and 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 decent farm investments that are that are smaller, you know, um, and we wanted to give that opportunity to, to families and, and, and farmers out there. 
Would you say this is kind of an opportunity for both experienced farmers and new farmers kind of getting into the business? Um, if you're a new farmer, it, I will say it's tough. You know, we need to know that there's a track record. Um, we need to know that if you're a new farmer and you want to go buy 100 acres and plant uh, oranges, right? Um, so you're, you're, you, I think you mentioned you're in Florida, right? So are you going to do a citrus orchard on 100 acres and you had never farmed before? It's going to be tough to, um, to, to mitigate that risk for our investors. How do I know you know how to farm? We like to see some track record of what you've been doing and and, and that you're capable. Um, so I will say it's tough. I, I think the best thing to do would be to partner up with an experienced farmer um, and, and, or, 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 or reach out to us to where uh, you have a experienced farm management company uh, that's on board. And that might be a, a way to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a good idea. Now, when it comes to, are you guys only available in California? So we're available nationwide. We've only done California deals so far. Um, we've okay. looked at some uh, some stuff in the Midwest. Uh, we've looked at some stuff in Oregon, um, uh, Arizona. We, we, we got real close on, on a deal in Arizona. But as far as our due diligence standards, I mean, we're pretty tough. Uh, so, you know, we... We like to have higher profit potential, which kind of knocks out some of the, uh, the Midwest stuff. Um, there's a lot of leasebacks going on in the Midwest uh, with the, you know, two or three percent return, uh, you know, and, and, and you're really kind of hoping for an appreciation uh, play on, the, on those. And they're good investments. Um, uh, they're stable investments. But it wasn't, we could do better here in California with some of the vineyards and orchards that we're doing. Um, uh, we got real close on a deal in Arizona, and then and then some uh, some water law stuff came up, and we didn't really like it, and I didn't think it was sustainable with with the water stock and the the uh, uh, the things that were going on in that area. So we ended up not doing it. We we you know we love we love deals anywhere in, in the United States. We we are sticking to the United States because I think we have a a superior uh, product as far as how we do things here as far as agriculture. Um, but you know, it's gotta be, you know, there has to be a potential for good profit and, and, and we have to have a safety net when it comes to all the other, uh, uh, uh aspects of, of farming. So how much would different practices like no-till or being sustainable or even environmental laws, how much would that impact kind of the potential profit for these crops? It, it, it really depends on your geographical area. Uh, it depends on what you're growing and, 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 and what's going on. Um, uh, you know, we do a lot of regenerative agricultural type stuff uh, as far as composting and soil amendments and whatnot. Um, No-till is popular in the Midwest. Uh, it's not as popular around here. We, we, we have compaction issues. And, and, and when you grow a crop and you try and do no-till, it ends up compacting a little bit uh, more than we'd like. Um, and we don't have as much erosion issues. Um, so no-till is really not uh, caught on. Uh, on a large scale around here. It's very ground specific as far as the crops and what we're doing. Um, but, you know, we're always looking for an opportunity to uh, convert to organic. We, you know, we believe that, uh, uh, you know, prices are strong. As long as organic prices are strong, uh, we like that. Um, uh, the appreciation rates on organics historically have been a little bit better. 
Um, so anytime that we can convert, we like it. Um, anytime that we can take better care of a farm um, than, than possibly the, the previous uh, company that, that might have owned it, if it wasn't a family farm or something, or it was neglected, you know, we love those opportunities. Yeah. What kind of breakdown is it for California that are family farms? I know I've seen the commercial of like um, California dairies, and I think 98% of California dairies are all family owned. So going off of that, like, What's the percentage there of large farms versus smaller, like mom and pop operations? So we're in the, we're in the, uh, I, I want to say it's still 96 or something percent family owned farms mm-hmm. where it gets muddied. And what, what happens with a lot of these statistics is you look at a corporation and they'll say, well, there's only, uh, you know, a uh, 50% family farms in California. They're all corporate farmers. Well, um, I'm a corporate farmer. Uh, my mom is the treasurer and I'm the president and vice president, right? It's family farm, right? It, 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 because, you know, we don't have a board of directors or, you know, as far as, you know, as our family farm, it's always been a small family farm. Um, so you have to read the statistics correctly. Uh, it, right. You know, most farms are still family owned farms and even the larger pension funds that have came in uh, and, and some of the institutional money. Most of that stuff is uh, farmed by family farms, uh, uh, neighbors, uh, people of that sort. So it's, uh, you know, still very family oriented as far as, you know, farming goes here in California. Right. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. I'm always hearing good things about the Central Valley and I mean, just California agriculture in general, especially kind of like the mom and pop shops. And um so what would you say is the investor breakdown? Um, are most of them people from agriculture or are most of them kind of from outside the industry looking for uh, like a different diversification for their portfolios? I would say just about 100% are uh, outside of agriculture. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, you know, our we, we do have accredited investors is, is what we need to invest in our fund. Um uh, but but most of them are, we, we have a lot of uh, people in tech, we have a lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, a lot of industry uh, people that have a high net worth or, 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 or good income that want to diversify their portfolio. Uh, so, so, you know, what it comes down to, especially you keep hearing about all this inflation, right? Uh, inflation, inflation. Well, historically, agriculture has been a great inflation hedge, right? So you buy mm. you buy a piece of land for ten thousand dollars an acre. You're you're producing a crop that uh, makes you a thousand dollars an acre in profit. Um, and as inflation rises, obviously those uh, those crops goes to two thousand dollars an acre. And then your your if it's like we just saw what is a seven point two percent inflation or seven point one percent inflation rate I think is what they said. So you think about it like yeah. that with any hard asset you 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 just bought your farm at a seven percent discount right and and you're getting a seven percent premium theoretically if that's what you want for your uh, for your crop. Uh, so a, a lot of people like it for for that reason. Uh, it's a, it's a great hedge. Um, and it's not correlated with the stock market. Um, and, it, and it's usually, uh, you know, like I say, when, when, when times are good, people love to eat. And when times are bad, people still have to eat. Um, so we, we, we typically have a steady uh, uh, range of, of a return on investment. Right. That's not bad at all. And 
What's the investment period like? Like how long does it take you? Because I know some other sites where the investment period is like maybe five or 10 years. And that's for like larger commodities like almond farms, for example. So what's the kind of the average time frame for investments and kind of getting your return? Yeah, we're looking at a 10-year home period. Um, I don't like to do yep. anything shorter than a 10-year. Um, we, we did have a five-year where we were, we're building and developing an orchard and we're going to develop it to sell. Um, so that was a shorter home period. But anytime you have a crop that you're harvesting year to year, you have to uh, you have to you're going to have market fluctuation. And you want to, in, right. in order to uh, have a good average return on your investment, you have to ride out the uh, the fluctuations in the market. So a ten year hold period is usually a good time frame to uh, you know weather the dips and, and ride the peaks. So that's what. And I mean, I can imagine that this is kind of a huge resource for farmers. So, I mean, what's the response been like for that? So we initially launched the site with pre-funded deals where we had went out and uh, 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 found pieces of property. We put them on the site specifically for investors uh, and we were in control of, 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 the return on investment and what the potential was for the return on investment. So we've recently opened the site for outside farmers and we're working on a couple of really cool deals right now. Um, and and it's, it's great because the, the site was originally built for, for farmers to expand, be able to expand their operation um, and, and, and also legacy type farming. Uh, uh, a family that mm-hmm. wants to farm, say the say, say the you know the parents uh, leave the farm to three other children, right? And two of the other children are not involved in the farm. Well, you have to buy that you know your siblings out. And 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 one of the things we wanted to do was provide capital for these types of situations where the uh, the siblings get bought out. The farmer who's been farming the land for the last 20 years gets to keep the land in their, in their, in, in this family and, and be able to structure a buyout from our investors at a later point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're actually kind of seeing this right now. We're, we're working on some deals right now with some farmers. Uh, um, I, I can't announce it because we're not done yet, but we're, we're doing some cool stuff right now with some, some other farmers that are, uh, have been farming land that they've farmed for, you know, the last, 15 years of their life, uh, or even close to 20. Um, and they need to buy out their, their partners and they have just an amazing infrastructure. They have an amazing farm and, you know, we're going to come in and allow them to, uh, continue to serve their customers all over the world, uh, by providing the capital and a, and a really going to return on investment uh, for our investors. So, um, the response is good, and, and and we get so many deals coming across our desk. I, I, the only bad thing about it is sometimes we get deals where it's it's like uh, that's not safe for the investors, or that's too big of a risk, or you know, and they get kicked out. But it's it's neat. To, to, there's there's a lot of ambition in farming still. A lot of people are super interested in it, and and uh, we have a lot of investors interested in investing with with farmers. So. Um, Everything's working out as planned. Pretty happy. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, I'm always trying to learn more about investing. I am a very amateur investor. I've only got like a few stocks here and there. Um, and so when it comes to, I mean, sites like you guys, especially with with, with farming, like 
um, in terms of like the potential versus the past results, like what's kind of more important in terms of like investing in farmland like this? Are you more focused on the potential of that crop, the potential of the prices to increase, or are you looking back kind of a little bit at seeing the history and seeing like, oh, it has historically given like a 6% return. Are you kind of going off of that or the prospects of what it could do? Um, I'm looking at the prospects of what it could do. Of course, you have to look at the history and, and, and what crops have been doing and the demand for crops. And if we think demand is going to keep increasing at that particular rate, but you know, there's been some, some, some appreciation rates and some demand for, for certain crops that, um, it's pretty high, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen a two hundred percent increase in land values in certain areas, and that's not something I'm going to look at and say we can do that for the next ten years. I mean, that's just not realistic. So we try to be realistic about what we think is going to happen. We obviously hope to knock it out of the park, but we look for good land deals with good water and and uh, good potential uh, to to produce. Uh, you know, high yielding crops. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, if the historical uh, information was, you know, a 30 or 40% return, I'm not looking at that as a realistic return. We're, we're looking at, you know, what's a safe bet for our investors. So we're mostly looking forward. Gotcha. I mean, that'll make sense. And so, all right, I just thought of this. I think this is absolutely crazy because. I feel like investing is getting weird because, you know, you've got cryptocurrencies, you've got NFTs. I mean, do you see like a future for maybe cryptocurrencies or NFTs in agriculture? Like maybe there's an NFT for a crop that each farm has or something. I don't know. Do you, do you see that there's like maybe a future for that in ag? I do. Um, I, you know, I don't know what that future is going to be, but I, I, I definitely think crypto and NFTs are around to stay. Um, I'm so curious to see how, some of this is going to work out, right? Uh, <laughs> as far as, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you get a, a large interest in some of this stuff, and then there's going to be some consolidation of what actually is going to work. Mm-hmm. But, but um, you know, the blockchain for for farming and, and as far as, uh, uh, you know, the control of the farm and how things are distributed, I think is going to be play a big part uh, eventually in agriculture, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because I know Twitter just came out with a thing where you can um, highlight your NFT as a profile picture and it's different than a regular profile picture or something. And so it's weird just seeing how, especially social media, is changing so quickly to NFTs. And yet it seems like there's a very low bar for entry. Like you can literally create a picture, create a JPEG, upload it, and then have $80,000 overnight. It's weird. It's great. It, but it's just weird. I guess it's like a, a new era in investing, really. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know because <laughs> I'm most certainly not an expert on um, any of this, and it's a lot of this is still uh, foreign to me. But there, there's, there's uh, speculation is is different than investing for me, right? We, we when yeah. we look at investing, we look at okay, this crop is going to produce a crop, right? Or, or, or this piece of real estate will produce this X amount of money. Um, whether it's a good investment or a bad investment, it is, you know, up in the air. Right. But when I look at speculation, you, you, it just like, you know, Bitcoin or, or anything like that, or, or NFTs, you, the, the, the value of that is, it's not producing anything. Right. That's, that's, uh, that has a 
set return on investment. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to value something like that. So um, to be completely honest, I, I just kind of stay away. I'm not, I'm not buying any uh, uh, crazy monkeys or <laughs> any of those NFTs that are popping up for right, right? They're like, oh, $800,000. It's so funny. I'm curious to see what happens, but it's funny. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, e- even stuff like the Dogecoin, I mean, people were getting into investing and they'd have maybe 10000 saved up. And then they could buy like tens of thousands of shares because Dogecoin was like three cents. And then they would make $30,000 off of that. I right. mean, it's weird. Well, it's like gold, right? I mean, uh, we yeah. find value in gold. Um, and we always have. And, and I think we always will. And as cryptocurrency, I, I think it, as it matures as an investment, there's going to be value in some of this stuff and it'll be around for a long time. You know, which ones will be and which ones won't. I wish I knew we'd, we'd all be rich if that was the case. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's like the same. Everybody says if we had um, a time machine, we go back and buy Apple stock whenever it first founded or Tesla or something, or even Bitcoin. And then we'd all be rich. Right, I mean, right. That would be ideal. <laughs> so um, what do you see as the future of farm funder? Like obviously expanding what's kind of the future there. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, you know, we're opening up to uh, outside uh, outside farmers. Um, you know, we we'd love for our investor base to be to be larger. We we'd like to do some larger deals. Uh, uh, we have some bigger deals in the pipeline, uh, but you know, we we want to focus, and we're starting to focus on regenerative uh, ag and uh, mm-hmm. organic conversion and and some organic uh, crops. Um, but but mostly we just want to you know we want to open the space up for uh, for investors and for farmers to to meet up and and do good you know to keep producing the food that we need and for everyone to you know be beneficial and one one cool thing about Farm Funder that we've we've got a lot of uh, uh, praise for I guess or whatever but you know when we do an investment we. For example, we just did a, a, a pistachio development, and we and, you know we put a, a time lapse camera up where you're just you know you're watching the the work happen. I just want people to feel a little bit more involved instead of like if you're trading on a platform or something of the sort, or you invest in something and, and you don't get much. I want I want uh, uh, them to know, hey, this is the orchard that you own, or you know, and, and this is what uh, we're doing on it. We try and send updates with cool pictures at harvest and at bloom time and, and certain things. Uh, and and then every year before Christmas, we like to send out uh, products from that orchard. You know, we want to send almonds out to our investors so they can eat the the, the nuts uh, that they invested in. So that's I think that's pretty cool. And we, we've had a lot of feedback of people really appreciating that. So uh, I, I don't know. It's a little bit more personal, and I think farming is a. It, it should stay sort of a personal, you know, uh, you know, family farms are very connected to their land and their legacy, and and it's and it's fun for investors to kind of get that connection in some way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure for those investors, they're like, "Hey, I'm investing in um, an almond orchard or something," and it kind of connects them. Otherwise, they might be removed from agriculture. It's investing them and they're getting more interested in it and it's kind of a win-win i mean you're helping farmers and you're also helping i mean diversify portfolios so it really seems like it's a win-win for both people in ag and people outside mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's 
that's what we want. And that's what we kind of built the platform around was, was that connection. So we're, we're trying our best. I know how hard it is to build companies. I'm trying, I've, last year we turned Farm Traveler into an LLC. So we're trying to, you know, grow it, grow it a little bit, get more followers, listeners and all that stuff. Um, is there anything you wish you knew before you started Farm Funder? Like anything along that way, like maybe I wish I started sooner. Maybe I wish I did this different, this differently. Is there anything you wish you knew before? Oh, sure. I mean, when I started uh, Farm Funder, I, I thought I was starting, you know, I thought it was a branch of um, an agricultural business, right? You, you, th- mm-hmm. you think of uh, farmland and acquiring farmland and raising capital for farm- farmland. You know, I've I've went out and, and, and gotten bank loans and bought land and, and, and done that before. So you think of it as an extension, right? A, uh, a, a, a vertical vertical growth, right, in your operation, and it just wasn't. I mean, it, it, the the internet is a completely different uh, animal than farming, um, uh, marketing, uh, you know, Google, everything. Um, the uh, Security Exchange Commission, how we structure deals, how you know everything was a complete learning curve. And I suppose I was probably a little naive in the, in, in uh, how easy I thought it was going to be. And it's been pretty challenging. Um, it's super cool to learn, uh, you know, and we've, we've, I, I believe we've gotten really good at it as far as a platform goes. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was something else. And, and, and that was, you know, as I mentioned, we had had Farm Funder ready to launch uh, back in 2015 and we waited. And that was one of the reasons, you know, we wanted to make sure, that we did it correctly because mm-hmm. we didn't want to launch and not close a deal or, you know what I mean? And then have to refund uh, investors money because we couldn't get it accomplished. And those are things we had to think about. Um, so we delayed it until we were ready to go. And I'm glad we did because, you know, it, it worked out. Yeah. That delay, I mean, is, is important because obviously when you're building a company, you want to make that great first impression. Like you don't want to make a um, one that's not fully up to par, one that you're not ready for. So, I mean, it's kind of like a movie, I guess you could say, like you delay it until it's really ready to go. Cause you want to have the best first impression. You want people to enjoy it. So, I mean, that's pretty smart. Um, when you were kind of learning about finances, like what are some resources you would recommend? Like, are there any books or kind of, I guess, figureheads in the finance industry, both in ag and outside of it that kind of help you get to where you are? Oh man, I can't think of a, a specific book or anything that I read. When when I was really getting into the crowdfunding space, it, it you know it's it's so new. So I was mm-hmm. trying to find credible people that you know I was going to some crowdfunding symposiums, right, or or, or uh, conventions, right, and I would go. Yeah. And, you know, they want they want five hundred dollars, you know, to go to, and you you listen to everyone talk, and you realize, okay, that was kind of a scam. And then everyone, and it really was. I mean, it, there was a couple of things that I went to where it's just a whole bunch of people trying to sell you things. You know, <laughs> it's like they, yeah. they paid to be the speaker, and then they're like, "Hey, you know, we need some business." And you know, but then you know, I'd go to you know a couple that were like, "Okay, wow, I really learned a lot." And then I'd get on their blog. I met up with a crowdfunding lawyer um, that uh, you know helped us uh, build our first deals. Uh, you know, in New York and, and, uh, you know, he taught me a lot. So I don't really, you know, as far as, as far as how this worked, I I never found, you know, a a good book or, or guide to really get me 
Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, I know, especially online, like there's so many quote unquote influencers and stuff like that. They're like, hey, let me teach you this. And it's like, hey, go to my website or go to this conference. And then they wind up selling you a course. And then they give you maybe 80% of the information. And then at the end of that course, they're like, hey, if you want to learn the rest of it, buy this other course. Like, it just seems like it's like an ever and never ending link, which is, it makes sense because they're trying to get business too, but it's a little bit kind of dubious, I guess you could say. Um, are, are there any issues you see with crowdfunding? Like any, I know it's it's a great resource that's kind of come about. So do you see any issues that come about from it? As, as a whole, I mean, as the industry as a whole, as far as the, the equity crowdfunding in real estate, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, so I, I'll spend a lot of time just nerding out, reading, you know, <laughs> uh, legal documents on, on, on other sites, you know, uh, multifamily sites and things of that sort. Okay. And, and I'll watch the mezzanine style debt that they stack on top of it. And I'm like, Ugh, that's so risky. The, the, these these crowdfunding portals have really um, excelled, you know, over the last eight years. But we've never seen a downturn. You know, we we, we didn't see the crash. You know, if, if these if these deals existed in two thousand and seven, you know, when we had the crash, I think we would have it would have been devastating for a lot of these sites and a lot of the deals that are being offered. Uh, on some of these sites, and that's one of the things as far as agriculture goes. You know, we. We don't over leverage. We're pretty much doing a 40% loan to value on our stuff. And we may, if it's a really strong uh, piece of property and crop, we may go 50%, but we don't go over that um, compared to some of the cash flowing multifamily stuff that may be out there where they're financing 100% of the deal, right? And they're like, well, we can oh, make wow. a payment, you know? And it's like, oh, you can make the payment today, you know? So, <laughs> you know, I, when, when there's a crash, I think there's there's going to be some some corrections and investments and, and whether those sites make it through or not, I don't know, you know? But I, yeah. hard to say because a lot of these been around so long, they've, they've got a portfolio that are, it's fairly large and who knows how they manage it, you know? I don't, I don't know, um, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when it comes to crowdfunding, um, are, I know this is a totally different industry. Are you familiar with the video game called Starfield? I'm not. So it's one of the largest crowdfunding projects in history. I think they've raised $300 million over like 10 years. And it's weird, like there's so many people in the video game industry that are really annoyed by it because they started it, I think about 10 years ago. And they, they started like 2008 and they said by 2012, we're going to have it out. And then they raised like 10 million, 50 million, a hundred billion. And they've done like 10 or 12 crowdfunding like surges where they've raised up $300 million, but they have keep, they've delayed the game. I think like 10 years, like it's still not out and people are getting upset because they've invested so much money in it, but there's no like endpoint for it. And it's weird, which I guess, I mean, it's like investing in anything else but you can invest ten thousand dollars into this game and you get a ship like a digital ship but uh -huh. there are people that they've invested that ten thousand and they haven't seen anything like they haven't gotten it there are some people that invest like fifty thousand or more and then they're in the beta for it but it's really weird because it's this huge crowdfunding thing but people still haven't gotten what they signed up for so it's really interesting and some people outside of it have seen this and are like is crowdfunding a good thing? But I think this is is like 
the 1% where it kind of raises up some issues and some questions there. So anytime I think about crowdfunding, I think about that. I'm like, it's very interesting, but I don't really see anything like that happening in ag, which is great. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I would be super nervous too. Um, I think crowdfunding, like I like to look at crowdfunding in two separate, you know, boxes, right? Mm-hmm. There's the starter, right? Where, where, where you, you essentially, you're crowdfunding whatever product it is you want to make, right? Or, or say you're an artist, uh, what was that one? Indiegogo, I think. Something oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they, you know, you're going to make an album and they're like, we need $25,000 to make this album if you pre-buy this album or whatever. Um, that was kind of how crowdfunding started because you legally weren't allowed to buy equity in something. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of crowdfunding going on like that where you can, you can buy into this company. Um, there's a lot of speculation that they're going to make this product. And once, uh, I think there was some electric car companies or, or something like that were, that were trying to do some crowdfunding where they're going to raise $75 million to get a prototype, right? Mm. There's that side of it. And then, and then when I look at equity crowdfunding, I look at, um, a, really, I, I kind of put everything into a real estate asset. I'm looking at equity in real estate. Right. Um, so much safer, uh, much different the, the, than just the actual speculation of this company actually coming to fruition right, and actually making what they say they're supposed to do or it actually working the way it's supposed to, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty risky stuff. Um, uh, so, you know, on, on our side, the equity, the real estate equity crowdfunding, you know, we're trying to mitigate all that risk, right? You, you know, once we close escrow on a deal, we, we uh, put up the grant deed and it shows, you know, <laughs> we, we make sure that, you know, that grant deed is there and your money is backed by that hard asset. So, you know, whether uh, the investment does as well as you want it or we want it or anybody wanted, it, right? Or no matter what it is, it, it's, it's a real thing, right? I mean, it's that real hard asset. So yeah. that's how I kind of look at our side of crowdfunding. It's a little, it's a little different, but I, yeah, that's, there's some crazy stuff going on out there. Yeah, there is for sure. I mean, yeah, Indiegogo is a great idea. I've got a friend in LA, he's trying to make movies and he's used Indiegogo several times and they've worked out really well. I mean, it's a great way for investors to get, invest in something cool and then there's a lot of projects on there. You know, you've got like different tiers on the crowdfunding. Like if you invest this much, you get X. If you invest more, you get Y. It just kind of depends, which is also another great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is cool, ben, uh, Brandon. So if if people want to learn more about Farm Funder, where can they go? Uh, come check out our website. It's uh, farmfunder.com. It's uh, F-A-R-M-F-U-N-D-R. There's no E in there, so fundr.com. Um, you can you can email us at info at farmfunder.com. Uh, reach out, tell us your thoughts. If you want to invest or what we have in the pipeline, you know, uh, check out our website uh, and spread the word. We we love some, uh, you know, we love more more investors to get on and and pair them up with farmers. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to geek out about websites, and I'm looking at the website right now. Yeah. It's really well designed. Like it, it kind of describes the whole investment process and even some reviews down at the bottom. I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I think this really helps y'all stand out from the crowd. This is really cool. Thank you. Well, cool. Well, Brandon, thanks again for being on, man. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Best of luck to you over there. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Brandon. I hope you learned a thing or two about farmland investing. Again, check them out at farmfunder.com. That's F-A-R-M 
F-U-N-D-R.com. And if you're new here, which there have been a lot new people this year, which is so cool, so thank you so much for listening, consider subscribing, whether you're here on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, or any other number of podcast apps. And if you feel like it, consider sharing with a friend or family member. Whatever podcast app you're on has a quick little share button. So whether you're driving in the car, working out, um, working around the house, whatever you might be doing right now when you're listening to this podcast, whenever you're done, no pressure, no rush, consider sharing the episode with a friend or family member. Um, You know, growth on the show helps us reach a huge audience and more and more people can learn more about where their food comes from. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.